What's going on, everybody? Zach Rosenblatt here with the latest episode of the No Huddle Show. I'm at Novacare Complex with Mike K. Uh, we just got out of Doug Peterson's press conference a little while ago, and the whole he pretty much put an end to the. It won't end, but he put an end to the Nick Foles Carson Wentz debate. I guess it's called. There, like, there's just been a lot of takes flying coming in hot from all angles this week, uh, as expected. Nick Foles uh, guided the Eagles to a win over the Rams. He's going to start again against the Texans. There's been a lot of what if scenarios of what if Nick Foles wins out and they go to the playoffs and they make some noise there. Like all of a sudden, are you are you going to consider Nick Foles as your quarterback? No, they're not. <laughs> Doug Peterson said. Carson Wentz is our starting quarterback. He's our future. We drafted him to be our quarterback for a long time. Nick Foles is the backup. He said all these things. He did, and he, you know, we've been very critical of his press conferences as of late. This is exactly what he needed to say. Yeah, it was about enough, time. Enough already. Um, I think any person who looks at the logic of the overarching situation, Carson's clearly the guy. Nick Foles is it might be the most effective backup quarterback of all time in the entire NFL history, but he's still that. He's the backup. And in Philadelphia, in he Philadelphia, is the backup. Yeah. So, and that's forever where he will be, uh, unless this Carson Wentz thing turns into something bigger than it Yeah, is. unless he breaks his back or something. Right. <laughs> yeah, if Bane comes he, out of the comic books and breaks his it, back, the, that's... The, the funny thing is, even, even then, I still feel like They'd almost be more likely to just like go Nate. and draft somebody or Nate Subfeld, like yeah, yeah. Um, For the future, at least we're saying, but that's like a weird hypothetical. <laughs> what, I, what I think it comes down to, and I've seen this a lot on on Twitter, you know, a lot of people are speculating because the team is so quick to gravitate towards Nick whenever he starts. Well, the guy won them a Super Bowl. I mean, it's natural. You know, you can talk about the defense. You can talk about Carson leading them to eleven two. Nick Foles, his last two games of of the 2017 campaign are the two best the in Eagles history. Yeah, yeah. I mean, enough already with that, but Carson Wentz is the future. Um, I think the guys that gravitate towards Nick are the ones that have been around for a while. You look at Chris Long, you look he has, at he shrine in his locker to right. Nick Foles yesterday. It was you hilarious. Look at Fletcher Cox. Remember Fletcher Cox came in with Nick Foles. Like they're, they're uh, Chris, Chris Long played with him in the Rams. Yeah. At the Rams. There are guys that have known Nick, Zach, Zach Ertz. I mean, he was here when Nick Foles his first go, his great season in uh, 2013, was it? 20, yes. Yeah, that was Ertz's, I believe, rookie year. Or, yes. Yeah, yeah, it was Chip's first year. Um, so there, I mean, Jason Kelsey's been around. Um, Lane Johnson. Lane Johnson. There are guys that have known Nick for longer. It typically from his if, first go around, yeah. right? Typically, if you've known somebody for longer than another guy and you've been close friends with them, you're going to back the guy who's been around. It's not even that they're backing him necessarily, right. but they're just gravitating towards they're him. Gravitating. Like you said. And Nick's a guy who comes into press conferences. He does have a presence, whether that's like kind of like a G. I mean, that, that dude's gonna be a motivational speaker. Like he right. he doesn't have a press conference where he doesn't say something. You're like, oh, that's you know, I feel I want to go out there and att- and attack the world right now. And something uh, take this on the isn't world. A criticism of Carson, but from press conferences and interactions, Nick has a perspective that Carson doesn't. I don't know if that or at least he doesn't like show it to us. Right, right, right. That's fair. Nick has a way with words. He yes. also has a way with leadership. He it's easy to buy into him. He's a Super Bowl, you know, MVP. Uh, he's also had a twenty-seven and two. See, like he's done a lot. He's accomplished a he, lot. And I think people discount that 
so much because the other side of the coin is, oh my gosh, Nick Foles is the second coming of Joe Montana, <laughs> all this other stuff. It's somewhere in the middle, and I think fans, players, media, everybody feeds into this thing. You can like both quarterbacks. You're allowed to. <laughs> Nick Foles can be a really effective clutch quarterback, and Carson Wentz could still be a better quarterback. That's and, and the quarterback. And the quarterback, and that's what he is according to Doug Peterson. I think, you know... I wasn't here in the offseason, but I will say that I think that's the best stance Doug's taken on a controversial issue in a really long time for me, just covering this team. And, uh, yeah, Carson's the guy. I mean, it, it's evident. Like, it, it, I don't know how you cannot see that. A year ago, he was going to win league MVP. Like, that, that at Super Bowl MVP is like one game, and it was amazing. But a full season's worth of being the best player in the NFL, like... I mean, he was he was voted by his peers the number two player in the NFL, or was it three? I forget. Three, was three. Number, I mean, that's that's insane. After basically one and three quarters years, and he only had two years in the entire league, never played in the playoffs. And they they give that poll to everybody in the locker room. Not everybody votes on it. I saw them giving it out uh, recently to the Eagles locker room. A lot of practice squad guys. Yeah, I mean, even those guys. But the fact that like. All these players voted, and Carson went like that. Just shows you the respect he has around the league. It's just interesting that I don't know. I don't. Want, I don't want to say the city of Philadelphia has turned on him, but there's a, like a large chunk of the fan base who are maybe overreacting a little bit to Nick well, Foles. I mean, and it's understandable. It, I mean, he brought the Super Bowl to Philadelphia. Like, I get it. But here's the thing, too. You look at it. This city is not patient, um, and I'll include South Jersey in that. It, you know, they just won a Super Bowl. It feels like it was a million years ago because people are complaining about Mike Rowe and all this other stuff. They just won the Super Bowl last year. Um, and Rowe helped develop Nelson Aguilar into an account, like a very good wide receiver. Uh, Alshon Jeffrey had a pretty good year. What I'll say is this. Nick Foles, or sorry, Carson Wentz was the best player on the planet from week three to week 14 of last season, period. So, and he's coming off an ACL, sir. I mean, like there's, it's just- A lot of things, yeah. There's a lot. There's a lot of things. That might be the title of this podcast. Um, be the title of this season, honestly. Yeah, like, if really, there was a book a about this season, like, there's so many things that happened this year. They're, they have to make, like, a 30 for 30 about this. Like, last season was remarkable. This season, like, so much weird stuff happened. Especially that if, they make, the if they make the playoffs and they make some noise there. Like, there's just so much behind the scenes that you just know that's been going on. And, and the thing is, too, is uh, – this will be my final point on this, but – I was intrigued to see how Carson Wentz would react to an ACL surgery, an LCL surgery nine months removed. I am like really it just as a as a as a spectator enthralled with like the, two years away. Yeah. yeah, enthralled with the idea of him potentially like twenty one months later being able to recover from that, being able to recover from a back. This kid is going to light the world on fire when he gets he, the opportunity. He almost might in. like. He probably shouldn't be eligible before, but he might win comeback player of the year just because, like, the narrative, like yeah. the, the narrative of him has changed like so yeah. drastically that it'll be like he's coming back. But this is just what he was the whole time. I think if I think, yeah, yeah, no. I, I mean, I, I mean, I mean, there, there's probably somebody who there's a billion guys who tore their ACL this year, so yeah. there'll be somebody. But it's just like around here, it just feels like he needs to prove himself again for some reason when he was the golden boy like this time last year. So, well, so I think it comes down to like you know how we always say. Let's say Nick Foles has a big performance, and the Nick Foles haters go, "Oh, well, they're playing like a, they're playing like the five and eleven team." You can't control who you play, yeah. but you also can't control your body either. And you know, people can say that Wentz hasn't played in big games. He hasn't had the opportunity to really. 
I mean, Dallas is the biggest game of his career, and yeah, that was not. But we learned he. But he, he had hurt his back either that game or before it. Yeah. Right, and he had a monumentous fourth quarter. So again. Monumentous, monumental. You monumental. can buy momentous and mon- monumental. That was impressive, actually. Yeah, I like that yeah. word. Monumentous. Yeah, yeah tremendous. <laughs> uh, but anyway, um, speaking of injuries, he's not going to play in this game, as you alluded to earlier. Um, Nick Foles will get the start against Houston. Um, we'll get into the preview stuff in a bit. Right. Uh, so let's talk about injuries, because we're recording this before the injury report comes out, as we always do on Fridays. We'll s- We'll say Fletcher Cox practiced today. Alshon Jeffrey practiced today. Both of them hadn't practiced this week. I believe. Jake they Elliott just, as well. Jake Elliott. Um, Alshon and Jake Elliott were just sick. It sounded like there was a bug going around. Uh, I think they're fine. Fletcher Cox, it was rest. He hurt his hip last game, and he went back in pretty quickly. Uh, Michael Bennett actually practiced this week, but he's done that for the last month, really. Yeah, I'm not and he's, and he's great on – I mean, that's his career in a nutshell. He, he's a guy that likes the rest, and he's, he's earned that right. Like I wrote a big story about him uh, today. Because he's just been remarkable. We can talk about him later. But uh, Sidney Jones, I imagine, won't play. Um, Isaac Sayamalu probably won't play. And you know what? They're okay with that. Yeah, <laughs> I yeah think. Wiz played pretty Wiz, well last Wiz week. Played well. It was just, he was bad the rest of the season, but he was good last week. Uh, it seems like Jordan Hicks will be back. Timmy Jernigan, um, he's like probably 50-50, I would say. He's been limited all week. Just from the sounds of Doug Peterson's he, press conference, I've got a vibe that he is, at worst, going to be questionable for this game. Yeah. So... Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think... Am I missing somebody? I feel like there's there somebody else who hasn't been practicing that probably wasn't going to play. Um, well, Cam Johnson has been limited throughout. Uh, oh, DJ Alexander had a hamstring. He was downgraded to... Did not practice yesterday. Um, but yeah, I mean... Look, this team's going to be banged up for the rest of the year. I think they've proven to be pretty resilient. Um, as long as Avante Maddox is out there, I think they're fine. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, that's what it comes down to. If, if Michael Bennett, Avante Maddox, Fletcher Cox, you know, those guys, the meat of this defense, as it were. Like, Jordan Hicks, look, let's talk about Jordan Hicks. Jordan Hicks it's interesting is, discussion, yeah. Yeah, so Jordan Hicks, we've said it before, has not played as well as he has in the past. He hasn't been the playmaker he used to be. I think Nigel Bradham's better in that role. In that role. Lot. It's an interesting conversation because... At one hand, Nigel has played better as a middle linebacker, Correct. and Camus Grugier Hill has played pretty well the last few weeks. But also, Nate Gary's kind of a liability, um, and you'd rather Hicks. So I, it, I'm interested to see how they do this because, like, what's working is Nigel Bradham in the middle right now. And so I wonder if they ease Hicks back in, if they maybe try him at the other linebacker spot. Like, they probably won't. It's, by the way, Doug was talking about it. It didn't sound like they were going to change much up in terms of Hicks's role, but. I don't know. I mean, you should you should be going with the, they go with the hot hand at running back all the time. I think they should apply that to linebacker because the, the linebackers have played way better the last couple of weeks. Yeah, and and I think you know so Hicks started his career as a weak side linebacker. So yeah, I think I, forgot about I that. think he he he'd be fine outside. I think Camus, who played I think Sam in week one with Nigel being suspended. I think oh, that's right. That's also another consideration. Look, this linebacker group. Whatever you want to say is pretty average. Yeah. They're not even with Hicks. They're not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think Hicks moves the needle at all at this point in his career, just because he's so oft injured, and you also don't know how he's going to recover from a calf injury. Like, like they don't have a uh, Luke Keekley, Leighton Van Der Esch. Like they don't right. have like that caliber of talent, but they or have a bunch a, of like okay guys. Dare I say it? A Sean Lee. I don't oh, know how boy. they win games. I mean, shoot, Darius Leonard. Like all these rookies are like falling in the draft, and <laughs> I mean, Eagles just don't draft linebackers. Is yeah, the reality? It's but. a Napoleonism. Um, 
which I could have a conversation about for hours. But <laughs> which is funny because Leonard went to the Colts, where Pauline spent most of his career, yeah, like yeah, after right. he was gone. Yeah. <laughs> well, now they have a good GM. In yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, so I think that him coming back is kind of like an. I don't mean to Darren Sproles him. I don't want to say he's a non-factor. Who Hicks? Hicks, yeah, but I, I just. I, I don't think it moves the needle either way. I'd like to have him have a, one, an extra week of rest and have him for that for Redskins game. Considering his history with that calf injury, like it probably would be better served to sit out another week. But right. the fact that they're – I wonder if if they had lost last week and they look like they're probably not going to make the playoffs going in this game, I wonder if they just shut him down. Yeah, that would have made sense. Like, Or if he like personally takes – like, or his agent you know, is like, hey, yeah. we, we'd rather not risk it because he had some issues with his calf. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't know what the I mean, outlook would be. I mean, be. He had, he had, it's his contract year, and he's injury, he has an injury-prone tag. He's missed four games this year, I believe, and he didn't look like himself for a bunch of others. So, I mean, I don't know how high his value is going into this offseason. Linebackers don't really get huge contracts anymore, especially not inside linebackers. Yeah, he's got a bit of a Stu Bradley sort of... So, it wouldn't shock me if he came back here on a cheap one-year prove-it type deal, if sure. the Eagles want to bring him back. Sure. Um... The other guy we talked about, Tim Jernigan, I do think he would be a huge plus for this team. I thought Trayvon depth, uh, Hester and Bruce Hector played their best games as the Eagles against the Rams. Uh, I also thought Haloti Nada played relatively well. That said, Tim Jernigan's a better player than all three of them put together, and it'd be nice to kind of see him close out here. You know, on I a, mean, they've got 19 snap. snaps for the $11 million they pay him or whatever. So, right. so you know, it's <laughs> almost nice a mil per snap. <laughs> it's nice to see that return on investment, but like, if, you know, if, if he if he's ready to go, you want all hands on deck. This is this Texans game's huge. I mean, if you thought the Rams game was huge, it's just as huge, if not bigger. Um, I mean, him especially, you know. We've talked a lot about their struggles kind of stopping uh, mobile quarterbacks this year, and Deshaun Watson's as good as any at avoiding rush. And you need a defensive line to get off their blocks and swallow up the blockers and kind of create space for the linebackers in the secondary. So that him, him being even – he probably isn't himself anyway, but if he can get 20 snaps, that, that helps a lot. Yeah, I mean, I think anytime you can have a rotation outside of three players, the more – When one of them is like 90 yeah. years old. Like, yeah. yeah. So uh, – so moving on from injuries, you want to get into matchups? Yeah, let's, let's get into there because there's some. This is like one of the more interesting like mano y manos. I feel like because there's a lot of like interesting player vs player. Like let's start with probably the the biggest one or at least the biggest name one would be Lane Johnson versus J.J. Watt. Yeah, I mean that's. I, I mean that's this is a battle of who many believe to be the or one of the best right tackles versus. Many who many believe to be the best defensive player in the NFL in JJ Watt, and he he hasn't lost a step. He has like almost 15 sacks this year. He he can do everything. He can move inside if he has to. Like he's, I mean, the best tackles can't block him. So it, it's it's going to be interesting because it's not only him. He frees up space for Jadavion Clowney, who's a freak of nature, also. So that matchup is going to be very important. Well, we talked about last. Last week, speed to power with Aaron Donald. J.J. Watt's kind of in a similar boat at a different position, and I think this will be a really good test for Lane Johnson. Lane seems healthy now. Um, he's been playing very well. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's interesting. The The matchup that I'm more concerned about is Jadavion Clowney versus anybody on the left side. Yeah, yeah. Because Especially they, if Peters is... Well... Be, here's the thing. They like to move him inside. They like to disguise uh, the way he rushes. So, him versus, so versus Wiz, one, yeah. one on one is it's a tough. terrible matchup. Uh, 
I mean, him. We've also seen guys get inside on Jason Peters, and that's kind of not a great look. He has uh, played pretty well the last couple of weeks, we should say. Yeah, he has. But he had like a couple slip ups a couple of weeks ago, but I mean, when you only have two out of two games, that's pretty good. But but you know, he's but yeah, gonna, this is a different animal. He's like, going up against a Pro Bowl pass rusher. I mean, he's a he's a Genevieve Clowney is a freak. Like there's a re, that's why he was the number one overall pick a couple of years ago. For sure, and I mean, he's not a guy that gets a ton of sack numbers, but he's a guy that can pressure a quarterback pretty well. Um. Also looking at the defense, Justin Reed at a stand for the rookie. That guy's got some playmaking ability. If Nick Foles is throwing up some of those, like, Jeffrey bombs, I don't <laughs> know how many of those will be completed to Jeffrey. I, I wanted them. To, I wanted the Eagles to draft Justin Reed. He was, like, one of my favorite safeties in his last draft. Yeah, he's a... Uh, he, I mean, they wound, they wound up picking Goddard, which worked out, but yeah. I really liked Reed. And he, he fell farther than I thought he would, too. I used to get concerned with, like, Stanford yeah, DBs yeah, yeah. because they're slow. And he's like, pretty fast, though, isn't he? Yeah, he is. But yeah, just yeah. historically, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ed, Ed Reynolds was terrible. Uh, Eagle. You know, Quentin, uh, Quentin Meeks, the slowest corner you've ever seen. Great ball skills, really technically sound. Ended up going undrafted. Now he's playing for the Jaguars. Had a good game against Zach Ertz, actually. Uh, but, again, I, I think Justin Reed's kind of a liability for the Eagles and that he can make plays on the ball. And this Texans secondary is very good at um, – well, the secondary and the linebackers are very good at getting yards after the interception. If they get open field opportunities, they've already got three touchdowns off of interceptions this year. Zach Cunningham, a really, really good linebacker who's basically a big safety. Their front seven is among the best in the NFL. Right. I mean, secondary leaves a little more to be. Their red zone's there. terrible, though. Their red zone defense is not very good. And uh, I think they ranked 30th. That probably comes down to the secondary, honestly. Yeah. Right. I mean, Aaron Colvin. Uh, Kareem Jackson, I believe, is there. Kareem Jackson's their corner. Well, he's he's playing free safety. Oh, is he? Uh, at times, yeah, he's playing free and, and strong. Um, and then you've got Josh ja- uh, Joshua Johnson, and then uh, who's the guy that took over for Kevin Jackson? Um. You got Andre Hall out there. There are guys, like they have a lot of cornerback pieces, but again, I think oh Jonathan Joseph. That's yeah, there who, you go. That's who I've met. Joshua the veteran, Jackson. yeah. <laughs> that's the Packers guy. Uh, yeah. Um. So they do have some age back there. They've got some experience. They've got guys that can make plays on the ball. The thing is, is they're all kind of smaller, and I think that that plays into awesome. the Alshon Jeffrey factor. The Zach Ertz. Goddard. I think Dallas Goddard's going to be huge in the red zone in this game um, because I think he can do things against Reed and against Cream. And uh, you know, I, I, I think I think this is a difficult matchup. But also, when you look at the offensive line, this is the Super Bowl winning offensive line. Um, playing like it too. Playing like it. Uh, if Nick Foles plays like he did against the Rams, they're going to win this game. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I, I mean. Th- if there's ever a team that's hard to move the ball up the field on, it's probably this one just because of that front seven. But mm-hmm. if the offensive line does its job, and maybe Josh Adams plays a little better than he did last week. Uh, I, I know Small would play well last week, but ideally he's not getting 10 carries every week. So uh, we'll see how that plays out. But uh, matchup on the other side. Oh, before you before you get to uh, that, sorry. Right. No, um, go ahead. You actually brought up the key point that I wanted to make and completely blanked on it. Um they do really need to run the ball in this game. Yes. You're going to want a lot of delayed handoffs. You're, I count the screen game as part of the running game. You're going to want some screens. This defensive front is extremely aggressive. 
Use Sproles more this game. Yeah, this is a Sproles game for sure. I think Josh Make Adams... him your goal line back. I know we talked about it, but just like, I know Doug kind of deflected a question about how Josh Adams has struggled in that area and said it's not just him, blah, blah, blah. But like, I don't think his skill set is suited to it. Like, I know he's he big, but right, yeah. he's big, but he's not like the same kind of big. He's tall. Mm-hmm. He's a tall guy. Uh, and he's a chunk guy. And chunk guys typically get chunks when there's space. Like, Garrett Blunt wasn't really their goal line back last right. year. Like, think about it like that. Like, Corey Clement was their main right, <laughs> goal line back. exactly. But you also, when you have a goal line back, too, you want the ability to say, hey, we could pass it at any yeah, point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so when you have It's, it's like, out- different than, like, the old school where it was, like, Jerome Bettis or Brandon Jacobs where they were just, like, big guys. Well, yeah, and, and more so because of philosophy, right? So if you have a guy in the backfield and you know he's he's terrible in pass protection – well, he's not terrible, but he's not very good in pass protection. You know he's not really using – Talk about receiver. Josh Adams? Yeah, yeah. You, so, so if Josh Adams is in the backfield, I'm automatically thinking, okay, this is a run. Yeah, he, you never think he's going to go out for a pass. Yeah, yeah you don't think he's going to go out for a pass. You don't think he's going to pass pro. And it limits what you can do a little bit. Right, yeah. and that's why you're able to key in on that. That's why, in a broader sense, that's why it makes more sense to use somebody Unless else. you were going to do like a QB sneak up the right, middle. That's yeah. the only – but yeah, Sproles, that's why Sproles makes the most sense. There may be Smallwood, but he's not a right. great runner. Mm-hmm. So, And I also think running Josh Adams um, – out of shotgun is not necessarily beneficial yeah. in a short yardage situation. I agree. So moving on, you, you want to talk about yeah, the yeah. side of the ball? So, uh, <coughs> oh, sorry about that. Um, the big matchup, obviously, DeAndre Hopkins, who has the best hands in the NFL. Mm-hmm. I don't even know if that's a debate. Like, he's ridiculous. Well, Alan <coughs> Jeffrey would debate him, but yes, I agree with <laughs> you. Yeah. Okay, oh, Sean, calm down. Okay, <laughs> but uh, I would say probably Rizul Douglas on him. Yeah, that's what I that's what I would do. Assuming that, I mean, at, Razul had a really good game last week, but this is a different. He's never covered a guy like this. Yeah, I mean, I think this is a th- situation this, where we'll find out how good Razul Douglas is right, this week. Right, and I I think you know they like playing ha- uh, sides. This is not a matchup for that. You're down to your your fourth and fifth corners. Like you don't need to do that. Avante Maddox, as great as he played against the Rams, and he. He Fantastic. played great. Uh, he's too small. He's also five foot nine. Yeah. And you know DeAndre Hopkins has a similar skill set to Alshon Jeffrey. He's a little bit faster, but jump balls, um, leaping for catches. That's he can catch in traffic too. Which... Yeah, he's he he can do everything. He's yeah. phenomenal. But um, but that that's also why Razul is a good fit against him because you need someone who's good at tackling on a guy like that because he's gonna right. come down with the ball. So you need to bring him down. Right. I mean, and Maddox is good with tackling. The, yes. the, the issue is is that, look, you know he's going to have his 10 catches a game. You want to limit the yards after the catch. And like you said, Rasul's more of a sure tackler. Just from a size perspective, he's physical. Uh, if you're in the red zone, you definitely want Rasul on him. You want Rasul to trail him. Because uh, on the other side, you have Will Fuller. And I well, no, he, he's out Oh, not Will here. Fuller. Um, they have Kiki Cutie. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And DeAndre Carter is playing quite a bit for them, actually. Right. But Kiki, that that's the guy you want. Sorry, I almost pulled a Stephen A. Smith. Well, and De- Demarius Thomas they also have. But. Yeah, Demarius Thomas. But Demarius Thomas is a guy. He's more of like a possession guy, yeah. You can, you can put Malcolm on. He hasn't really done much for them, yeah. They don't really use their tight ends all that often. No. So you can put Malcolm on Demarius. You can put... I think Craybon will be fine on him. Um, you can move guys around. I, I'm not really worried about that. 
Hopkins is going to eat. You just got to limit his portions. I kind of think of it like how they defended Julio Jones in week one. Mm-hmm. He had like 10 catches for like 150 yards, but it was all like 10-yard catches. Right. Jim Schwartz Even if it was down the field, they were tackling him right away, and he never scored that game. Right. Jim Schwartz's philosophy is it's fine if you allow some chunk yardage, just don't let him in the end zone. And, yeah. I, and I think you, you want them to settle for field goals in this game. And they will get into the red zone. Pretty frequently. Their kicker is one of the best in the league, Jaime Fairbairn yeah, from uh, UCLA. Yeah, he's, he's playing pretty well. I think he didn't he get nominated he, for the Pro Bowl? Yeah, I believe he had like six field goals or something a week or two ago. Yeah, yeah. so uh, again, I think with the DeAndre thing is it's this isn't a situation where you say, hey, let everybody else try to beat us. It's cool, you know, you go in knowing DeAndre's going to do get his, his thing, yeah. but a wide receiver can't beat us by himself unless he's Amari Cooper because that's <laughs> what happened. Um, so Lamar Miller is dealing with an injury, um, and he's kind of eh anyway. I mean, he's having a good year, yeah. but that said, you're taking away something extra from this defense, I mean, from this offense, and I think that that's important. If he doesn't play, that could be a big deal, especially in a. So what Alfred coldish, Alfred Blue is their backup, right? Yeah, in a coldish game, I think you're going to want to run the ball. Uh, I don't know if Watson's played in a game this cold in a while, just because you know he went down early in the season last year. And now you're in Philly, and it's I believe it's supposed to be in the mid 40s. Uh, so a dome team coming in, whatever you can make the, the weather stuff. Um, Watson got us at the edge. Yeah, uh, this is a big game for Chris Long and Michael Bennett and and Brandon Graham. Uh, I think if you're Nigel Bradham, you need to know where you are at all times. Camus needs to know where he is at all times. Um, I'm fascinated with how this defense plans to to you know shut him down because you're realistically going to be covering for a while. That's part of Hop the reason why Hopkins has been able to dominate is you know it's not just the simple hey I'm going to make a cut and he's going to throw in the thing. Watson will get knocked out of the pocket and do the Wentz magic and stuff. And he has one of the strongest arms on the run you'll see. So, look, this is going to be a tough matchup, as we've said, not to get too into the X's and O's. But when, you, when you're looking at – you've got to hit him. You've got to hit him. You've got to figure out a way to keep him contained. I don't want him running. I, I don't. Like, so I've got to either spy on him or I, I need to make sure that I'm pro- – this will not be a game where they blitz a lot, I don't think. Um, I think you have to have that guy that's there making sure well, the, that he doesn't run for a gajillion yards. The, the funny thing about the blitzing is, like, they, they blitzed a lot relative to what they normally... Like, Jim Schwartz made a joke about it in the, his press conference this week. I think they blitzed, like, seven or eight or nine times or something last week. He's like, I mean, that's a lot relative to what we normally yeah, do. Yeah, it's not really like, a lot. That's not a lot. Like, they play, they play, like, 60-something snaps, I think, on defense last week, so... They just don't blitz that much. It's funny when you think about like the Jim Johnson days when blitzing was like their game. Mm-hmm. It's just so funny how much different Jim Schwartz's philosophy is. So uh, let's uh, get into Alshon, okay? Alshon had a great game. He had, he's fantastic. Yeah, he he made the plays. A lot of them weren't even great throws. You know, since 2010, I believe he had the eighth most receiving yards in a game for an Eagles wide receiver. I mean, Macklin and Deshaun, obviously, were the other guys. So he had 160 yards, eight targets, eight catches. Like, that's impressive, man. Like, he's making plays. Uh, He needs to take advantage of the size 
factor in this game. I think he could be huge in the red zone. Zach Ertz, we didn't see get involved very often uh, with Nick Foles at quarterback in this game, but he did target him a ton in Tampa. He targeted him a lot in Atlanta. Though Austin wasn't in those games, to be fair. Right. But, I mean, I think Nick Foles and Alshon clearly have a chemistry. Nick and Alshon are both basketball players at heart. Yeah. Um, With the the Ertz thing... uh, to be fair, like he even said, they they clearly schemed for him. And, and last teams week. are going to do yeah. that down the stretch. I mean, they they know that they they cannot let Ertz beat them, or it can be a problem. I don't think. What I want to say is, I don't think Carson was targeting Ertz too much. I mean, if it's a proven success factor or whatever, do I think he missed plays because Ertz was the probably the safest option? Sure, but sometimes you have to play conservative. Well, that, that's I think that. At least this season, that's probably the biggest difference between Foles and Wentz is when, you know, maybe there's a play that you sh- probably shouldn't be trying as a quarterback, but you want to take a risk to try and get a big play. Foles kind of goes for it every time, like you saw on the on the play where Nelson Aguilar and Jeffrey came back. I'm pretty sure Ertz was open also. Uh, so, it, so you would think Wentz would probably dump that off to Ertz in that same situation, whereas Foles just heaving it up and hoping for the best. Like, those are two different strategies, and they both have their merit. But, I mean, it, when it works out with Foles, you get this awesome thing happening. So Yeah, and I think they'll be a little bit more conservative in this game. I think, yeah. uh, you know, the Texans have guys that can make plays on the ball. Not that the Rams didn't, but I think, I think this is a better safety group. I think this is a bit better of a secondary and, you know, for, for Nick, he needs to be sharp. Um, you can say all you want about him not being a, not scoring touchdowns in the game against the Rams. He was the catalyst for all three scoring yeah. t- touchdown scoring drives. Um, and I think I think with with Nick, he's got to find consistency. He's got to be able to lead them early. I think if they can get off to a really hot start, they're going to win this game. I think whoever is the first to score 10 points or get in the double digits is going to be the team that ultimately wins this game. So so ultimately, who do you think is the first team that gets double digits and wins this game? I think it will be the Houston Texans, unfortunately. I think this is going to be a very close game. Um, I do think the Vikings are going to win against the, the Lions. I you know, I, I think this is, this is a letdown game. Um, you remember this team's only won two games twi- once this in a row once this season. Um, I agree with Doug Peterson's let's ease back, let's keep him fresh strategy, but there's a lot of guys they need to keep fresh, and that's my concern. Um, I, I felt weird making this pick because I do think the Eagles have a huge shot of winning this game. I just. 28 to 26 is what I kind of came up with from a Texans win. Also, if, if you're a fan that's like, oh, well, he's, you know, he's doing this because he was wrong about the Rams game, and so hopefully they win this game. Maybe. I don't know. I mean, I, th- I think it'll be fun either way. So I've been wrong pretty much every week. So Terrific. Eagles fans. So they're going to lose this game. So, yes. Spoiler alert, I have the Eagles winning. <laughs> um, I, I feel kind of the same way as you. I, I just kind of, I don't know, just – Something about that Rams game. I, I said this. This was the fir- that was the first game where I felt like they played like they looked last year. Like that felt like the first 2017 performance. Their defense was stellar. I think a lot of it will come down to if the defense can do that again, which is no guarantee. The Texans are tough to stop, and if uh, Nick Foles can be good, he doesn't need to be amazing. Like that's just the reality. He doesn't have to be amazing for them to win. Something that's scary about this: the Houston Texans have never beat the Eagles. 
the Eagles are 4-0 against the Houston Texans. Yikes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what was the last time they played, though? Uh, they played when Nick Foles uh, broke his collar. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So, yeah, he might have... 14. I mean, does that mean Nate Sudfeld's going to be playing tomorrow? Uh, I mean, I Sunday? <laughs> I mean, if history repeats itself, we've seen it. Anyway. <laughs> but I, I have Eagles 27, Texans 24. And real quick, let's just talk about like what that means playoff-wise. So, the Vikings are going to be playing the Lions this week. Mm-hmm. They should In win Detroit. that one. I mean, the Vikings have had a weird season. So And the NFL, there's been so much weird stuff happening this year. Like I know we probably say this every year, but... And usually week 15 is always, like, one of the weirder ones, mm-hmm. and it was last week. But the Vikings should beat the Lions, so that puts pre- – they're going to be playing at the same time as the Eagles, by the way, mm-hmm. so there'll be some scoreboard watching. Uh, so if they, if they both win, then next week the Eagles will have to win and the Vikings will have to lose for the Eagles in the playoffs, depending on what happens with the Seahawks, mm-hmm. who I forget who they played this week, but they're on Sunday night. Let me look real quick. But uh, – and then I, I think the, the Redskins play on Saturday also, and if – yeah, the Redskins play on Saturday, so if the Redskins win, they'll technically be ahead of the Eagles in the standings, even though the Eagles have the tiebreaker. But and then if the Eagles lost, then they'd be a game behind. They do have the tiebreaker, so it, mm-hmm. that helps. But, I mean, how, how are you feeling about the playoff picture going into this week? And, I mean, the, do, do you think it's going to come down to Week 17, I should say? If the Eagles win, then it will, yeah, inevitably come down to Week 17. If the Eagles win this game, I think... Oh, they play the, the Seahawks play the Chiefs, actually. Right, so, right, that's so, what it was. I mean, the Seahawks have been another strange team this year where they have played up to good opponents and down to bad... They haven't played as well as they should against bad teams. So if they lose, the Vikings win, the Eagles win, they're, they're still... I mean, Eagles lose. There's still, like, a chance they can get in there. Yeah. Um, it's, it's definitely less, but there's a chance. Ideally, what you want... Is, so if the Eagles win this game and the Vikings lose, the Eagles are going basically... Yeah, Unless the, they bomb against the Redskins, they're going to go to yes. the Lions. So that's really what you want to be rooting for. I do think the Vikings beat the Lions. I think the Seahawks lose to the Chiefs. And I think the Eagles lose to the Texans. That said, if the Eagles do beat the Texans and that happens, Week 17 is going to be very interesting because all they need is for either Seattle or Minnesota to lose and them to win. And I think that that is a good thing. Now, the Cowboys... Hey, if they lose out. If they lose out, you know, that'll be interesting as well. So I think... Hey, Kamugurja Hill, his yeah. prophecy would come true. Week 17's <laughs> going to be interesting, man. It's going to be interesting, and I think... Hey, we're going to be scoreboard watching this week, and that's kind of fun. Yeah, that is kind of fun. And I, I think when you look at the season as a whole, let's say they go 9-7 and seven and don't make the playoffs, where's your head at? You're feeling... I think it's just better. I know momentum doesn't really carry from season to season, as you saw from winning the Super Bowl. But you go into the offseason feeling better about the team, at least. I mean, it, we'll see, like, how Howie Roseman feels about it. Like, if he blows the roster up, which he could, there's a lot of, like, avenues to, like, change his roster drastically. And he might have to, because they don't have any money. They're over the cap. Once they decline Foles' option, which seems inevitable, uh, they go under, technically. But then you still have, like, all these contracts to deal with and, like, a lot of decisions to make. Jason busy. Peters and Rodney McLeod. And, like, there, there's just so many, so much out there. It, it'll just be interesting to see, like, how... Howie Roseman views how the season went. I think you'll you'll learn that based on like how he approaches the offseason and like what kind of guys he drafts, whether he targets like big names or whether he's comfortable. All right, we went nine and seven with Josh Adams at running back. We can just get another complimentary piece. Like I like Avante Maddox at safety. We don't need to get any other corners. Let's just focus on getting depth at certain positions. Like it'll just be interesting to see how he views it. But yeah, I think if you go in the offseason nine and seven, you feel way better than when they were uh, certainly what were they four and seven or whatever it was, like whatever their worst record was. Yeah, I think they were 4-6. Or, yeah, then they so at that point, we're all, we're all saying it's, everything's over, they stink. So you're, you go into the offseason. 
the issue will be we'll hear the Nick Foles Carson Wentz thing all summer, which is going to get old real fast. But you know, there's a lot of optimism to take out of this. You know, we've talked about Cravion LeBlanc. He's kind of like a guy that late in the season has kind of established that he deserves to be around here. Josh Adams, like there's a lot of a lot of these young guys who have kind of emerged, which has kind of been the benefit of the injuries, weirdly. Yeah, I mean, I think if this is like your setback year and then you fire out the gate the next couple of years, I think you're in pretty good shape. But what I'll say is this. You know, the Eagles deserve to be in the position that they're in right now. Yeah, they put themselves in this position. They put themselves in this position. Now you just have to hope that the Lions or the Bears have something to play for, whether it's playing spoiler or trying to get that second seed. Um, But I think that'll do for us. Yeah, we'll we'll uh, have our post game pod on Sunday. Uh, subscribe if you don't already. We're on all the apps. Leave us some comments and uh, thanks for listening, guys. <laughs>